0: Having heard the Passion, according to John, many times, you might think that it would start to wear a bit thin, but every year I hear it, and it is shocking, stunning, and yet also eerily familiar. Jesus is dispatched with the efficiency that anyone who has ever worked in a bureaucracy understands, with the type of dispatch that is causing one of our communities just north of here, Sacramento, to be roiling at this point in the face of police brutality and violence. This is eerie because it is a familiar story. As someone has said, we are Christians, but we are Christians called to live in a Good Friday world, a world in which this gospel is heard and replayed and reenacted over and over and over again. And to lead lives where we too confront pain and suffering and betrayal and, yes, even death. Death that is often... More tragic and heartrending and heartbreaking, even perhaps, than three hours that Jesus spends on the cross. It was for this reason that the Apostle Paul, who penned some of the earliest texts in Christian scripture, wrote that the cross to his brother and sister Jews in the first century is a scandal, a stumbling block. Likewise to his contemporary Gentile brothers and sisters, it is foolishness. it makes no sense, from the Jewish perspective, to have a dead Messiah. And at least if you pick up the Platonic thread of Greek wisdom and philosophy, it makes no sense, from the Greek perspective, to have a dead God. Who wants that? Who needs that? But what puts the good in Good Friday is the message that is implicit in this gospel reading and comes through if we take Good Friday in the context of Jesus' teaching and witness and in the witness of all who have taken up his name across the ages. And that is that if we sit very long in our own suffering, or if we sit very long in the face of death, to have a God that has entered into that is profoundly and strangely comforting. But it is not the God we are taught to expect. We still live in the shadow of that dilemma that Paul put into writing in the first century. We are inheritors, on the one hand, of a messianic tradition that gives us superheroes like Superman, who cannot die. Do you remember that story? And there was something when I was a little boy about Superman that was totally cool. And frankly, a lot cooler than Jesus. Because Superman could do things for people, and nobody could kill him. That's the kind of Messiah that we want. And that's the kind of messiah that often the world tells us we need. We want somebody to protect us, after all, from our own vulnerability and our own mortality. We also, though, have the Greek conundrum very much with us because we are inheritors of Greek philosophy and wisdom, came down through us through the Romans and was passed on even through the church in many ways. And so we have that God who is above all things and judge of all things, inassailable, inaccessible. We even have hymns that tell us that. A light that we cannot even look at. A God so far out of our reach that we can only imagine what that God is like. A God of power, ultimately, a scary God so scary that the church has given that God the name Almighty, Holy One, and our Greek brains hear that as beyond us, beyond human experience, and therefore aloof when we are in those dark places of the soul. But neither supermen nor the aloof Platonic God will do. And so we have this God in Christ who comes among us and gives himself over to all of the systems of violence that we have perpetuated across the ages who is vulnerable like us, who bleeds when he is cut, who cries when he is sad, who laughs when he is happy, who is complicated and perplexing just like we are complicated and perplexing ourselves. but God in Christ who knows pain, and loss, and grief, and hope, and joy. The same God in Christ who says to Pilate, the representative of all of the world's most violent bureaucracies, the archetypal bean counter, if you will, who knows how the rules are supposed to work and is empowered to make the cold and difficult decisions that no one else is willing to make. And all he can do is stand there blinking, bewildered, in the face of Jesus' words when he says, My kingdom is not of this world. Because it isn't. Who can only look cross-eyed cynically at Jesus when Jesus says... I have come bearing the truth. All Pilate can say is, what is truth? It's irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Not in the world of power. Not in the world enthralled with violence. Our calling on Good Friday is to see this God who is not of this world, and yet is here among us, as John tells us, as close to us as we are to one another, even within one another, found in the bread and wine shared, found in hospital rooms and on street corners and sleeping amongst those who are suffering homelessness, in the family of those who have lost sons and daughters to outrageous violence, in the lonely rooms and places of our lives, and in our hearts where we dare not even look, for me that puts the good in Good Friday. This God who knows us even better than we know ourselves, who has not just faced our darkness but embraced Who even in the face of death, utters words of truth and hope, so that on the cross dies not just our God in Jesus, but all the powers of this world. And Good Friday leaves us with an odd sense that something has been broken. to leave room for something new. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread, and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMellValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.